lynching and they lynched a cop because this cop did something bad, probably killed someone unjustly. So here is uh, paragraph 10 onward of Sermon 302 by Augustine of Hippo. Dequent, multimali multamala, et quid veris tu? Ana malis bona? Noli querere uvam in spinis, prohibitus es, ex abundance cornis os loquitur. Si aliquid potes, si tu iam non es malus, opta malo ut sit bonus. Quid sevis in malos, quia malis sunt inquis, adis te illis seviendo in illos, concilium do, displicitivi malus? Non sint duo. Reprehendis? Et adiungeris, auges eus numerum quem condemnas. De malo vis vincere malum? De malitia vincere malitiam? Erunt due malitiae, ambe vicende. Non audis consilium domini tui per apostolum? Noli vincia malo sed vince in bono malum. Forte ille peor est, Cum etusis malus duo tamen mali, ego velum ut velunus esse bonus. Postremo, sevidusque ad mortem, quid et postmortem ubi ad illum malum, iam non pervenit pena, et alterius mali sole exercetur malitia, hoc insanire es non vindicare. Many bad people say many bad things. And what would you have, yourself? Good things from bad people? Don't look for grapes on thorn bushes. You've been forbidden to do so. It is from the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. If you can manage anything, if you are no longer bad yourself, make an option for the bad person to become good. Why vent your rage on the bad? Because they're bad, you say. By venting your rage on them, you are adding yourself to their number. I'll give you some advice. Does the bad person displease you? Don't let there be two of them. You're objecting to him and you're adding yourself onto him. You're increasing the number of the one you're condemning. Do you want to overcome the bad with the bad? To overcome evil with evil? There will be two evils, both needing to be overcome. Can't you hear the advice of your Lord through the Apostle? Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Perhaps he's worse, though you too are bad. Still, that makes two bad ones. I would like at least one of them to be good. Finally, you vent your rage on him to the point of death. And what about after death, where none of your punishment now reaches that bad man, and only the malice of another bad man is finding expression? That's mindless madness, not avenging justice. What am I to say to you, my brothers and sisters? What am I to say to you? Don't give such people your approval. But I am, but am I really to think this of you, that you do approve of such people? Far be it for me to think that you do. But it isn't enough for you to disapprove of such people, not nearly enough. There is something more required of you. None of you should say, God knows I didn't do it. God knows I didn't do it. And God also knows, I didn't want it to happen. There you have two things, you said. Both, I didn't do it, and I didn't want it to happen. It's still not enough. No, 
it's certainly not enough if you didn't want it to happen, if you didn't also forbid it. Bad men have judges to deal with them. They have authorities to deal with them, about whom the apostle says, For he does not carry the sword without reason, for he is the avenger in his wrath, but against the one who does evil. The avenger in wrath against the one who does evil. But if you do evil, he says, be afraid, for he does not carry the sword without reason. But do you wish not to be afraid of the authorities? Do good, and you will have praise from them. So what evil, someone says, had St. Lawrence done, that he should be put to death by the authorities? How was this fulfilled in his case, do good and you will have praise from them, seeing that precisely by doing good he earned such terrible torments from them? If the holy martyr Lawrence didn't have praise from them, he wouldn't be honored today, he wouldn't be acclaimed by us, he wouldn't have his praises sung far and wide, so he does have praise from them, even though they don't want him to. The apostle, after all, didn't say, do good and the very authorities will praise you. I mean, all the apostles and martyrs did good, and the authorities didn't praise them, but in fact put them to death. So if he had said, do good and they will praise you, he would have been deceiving you. But as it is, he tempered his words. He took a look around, he weighed them, measured them, circumcised them. Analyze what you heard. Do good, and you will have praise from them. You see, if the authorities are just, you will have praise from them, with them, in fact, praising you themselves. If, though, they are iniquitous, when you have died for the faith, for justice, for the truth, you will have praise from them, even while they are raging against you. It's from them, you see, you will have it, not because they are praising you, but because they are providing you with the occasion to be praised. So then, do good, and you will have it, and you will be sure of it. But that bad man did so many things, oppressed so many people, reduced so many to beggary and penury. There are judges to deal with him. There are the authorities to deal with him. The state is well ordered, for the authorities that exist have been ordained by God. What business is it of yours to vent your rage like that? What authority have you received, except that this isn't a case of public punishment, but of open brigandage? I mean, what's the position? Consider a man destined for the scaffold and condemned, the sword already hanging over him. It is not permissible for him to be struck down by any one among the various ranks of the authorities, but only by the one who is employed for this, the executioner is employed for this. It's by him that the condemned man is to be struck down. If the shorthand writer strikes the condemned man, already destined for the scaffold, isn't he both killing a condemned man and also condemning himself as a murderer? Certainly the one he kills had already been condemned, already destined for the scaffold, but to strike him down in an unauthorized manner is murder. So if it's murder to strike a condemned man in an unauthorized manner, 
What is it, I ask you, to wish to strike one who hasn't been tried, to wish to strike one who hasn't been judged, to want to strike a bad man without receiving any authority to do so? You see, I'm not defending bad men or saying bad men aren't bad. Those who pass judgment on them will have to account for that. Why do you want to render a very difficult account for someone else's death when you don't bear the burden of authority? God has saved you from being a judge. Why grab someone else's responsibility? Give an account just of yourself. O oh Lord, how truly you pricked the consciences of men venting their rage when you said, Let the one who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Cut to the quick by a sharp and weighty word, they examined their consciences, and blushed at the presence of justice in person, and departing one by one, they left the unhappy woman there alone. But the guilty woman wasn't alone, because the judge was with her, not yet passing judgment, but extending mercy. When those who were thirsting for blood withdrew, they left behind them a miserable woman and mercy. And the Lord said to her, Has nobody condemned you? She answered, Nobody, Lord. Neither will I condemn you, he said. Go, from now on, sin no more. But that soldier did such dreadful things to me. Well, I would like to know, if you were a soldier, whether you wouldn't be doing the same sort of things yourself. Neither do I want such things to be done by soldiers, that the poor are afflicted. I don't want it. I want them also to listen to the gospel. I mean, it isn't being a soldier that prevents you doing good, but being evil-minded. After all, when soldiers came to be baptized by John, they said, And what shall we do? John said to them, Do not ever rough anyone up, or bring false charges against anyone. Let your pay be enough for you. And really, brothers and sisters, if soldiers and policemen really were like that, how fortunate a society we would have! But if it wasn't only the soldiers who were like that, but also if the customs men were like what is described there, because the publicans too, that is the customs men said, and we, what shall we do? The reply was exact, nothing more than what is laid down for you. The soldier was put on the right lines, the customs man was put on the right lines, let the private citizen too be put on the right lines. You have some straightforward guidance for all kinds. What shall we all do? Let the one who has two shirts share with the one who has none. And let the one who has food, let him do likewise. We want the soldiers to listen to what Christ commanded. Let us also listen ourselves. I mean, he isn't Christ for them and not for us, or their God and not ours. Let us all listen, and all live harmoniously in peace. He oppressed me when I was engaged in business. Well, what about you? Did you conduct your business honestly? Did you never cheat anyone in that business of yours? Never swear a false oath in the course of business? Did you never say, By the one who carried me safely across the sea, I bought for so much something you didn't buy for so much? Brothers and sisters, I'll say it to you more bluntly, and as far as the Lord grants me freely, it's only bad people who vent their rage on bad people. 
The obligations of authority are another matter, because the judge is frequently compelled to unsheathe the sword, and he would prefer not to strike. As far as he is concerned, you see, he was willing to pass a sentence short of bloodshed, but perhaps he didn't want law and order to be undermined. It was the concern of his profession, of his authority, of his duty. What is your concern but to beg God, deliver us from evil? O oh, you who have said, deliver us from evil, may God deliver you from yourself. In a word, brothers and sisters, why are we carrying on so long? We are all Christians. I up here also bear the burden of a greater danger. It's often said about me, why does he go to that authority? And what's the bishop looking for with that authority? And yet you all know that it's your needs which compel me to go where I would much rather not, to dance attendance, to stand outside the door, to wait while the worthy and the unworthy go in, to be announced, to be scarcely admitted sometimes, to put up with little humiliations, to beg, sometimes to obtain a favor, sometimes to depart in sadness. Who would want to endure such things unless I was forced to? Let me be. Let me not have to endure all that. Don't let anybody force me to. Look, as a little concession to me, give me a holiday from this business. I beg you, I beseech you, don't let anybody force me to it. I don't want to have to deal with the authorities. He knows I'm forced to do so. And I behave with the authorities as I ought to behave with Christians, if I find Christians in that authority, and with pagans as I ought to behave with pagans, wishing them all well. But he should admonish the authorities, he says, to do good. Am I to admonish them in your presence? Do you know if I've admonished them? Do You don't know whether I've done it or whether I haven't. What I know is that you don't know and that you are judging rashly. All the same, my brothers and sisters, excuse me, but you can say to me about the authorities, he could admonish them, and he would do good. And I will answer, I did admonish him, but he didn't listen to me. And I admonished him where you weren't there to hear. Who could ever take the people aside to admonish them? At least we have been able to admonish one man on the side and say, act like this or act like that, when no one else was present. Who could ever take the people aside and admonish the people with nobody else knowing? It is this emergency that compels me to speak to you like this, or I will have a bad account to render for you to God, or else he will say to me, you should warn, you should hand out, I would exact repayment. So then, distance yourselves, so distance yourselves totally from these bloody deeds. Your only concern when you see or hear about such things should be to feel pity. But it was a bad man that died. He is to be mourned twice over, because he died twice over, both in time and for eternity. I mean, if a good man had died, we would grieve out of human feelings, because he had left us, because we wanted him to go on living with us. Bad people are to be mourned much more, because after this life they are caught in the clutches of eternal pains. 
So let it be your business, my brothers and sisters, to grieve. Let it be your concern to grieve, not to vent your rage. But it is not enough, as I have already said. It is not enough for you not to do these things, for you to lament them, unless you do all in your power to prevent actions that do not fall within the rights and authority of the people. I am not saying, brothers and sisters, that any of you can go out and just tell the populace to stop. That's something not even I can do. But each one of you, in his own house, can prevent his son, his slave, his friend, his neighbor, his apprentice, his ward, from taking part. Work on them, so that they don't do these things. Persuade those you can, and be firm and severe with others over whom you have authority. One thing I do know, and everyone else knows it together with me, that you will find many households in this city in which there is not a single pagan, while there is no household to be found in which there are no Christians, and if you were to examine the matter carefully, there is no household to be found in which there aren't more Christians than pagans. It's true, you all agree. So you can see that these bad events wouldn't have occurred if Christians hadn't wanted them to. You haven't got an answer to that. Bad things can be done secretly, but they cannot be done publicly if Christians forbid them and refuse to take part, because each one of you would restrain his slave, each one restrain his son. Youth would be cowed by the severity of a father, the severity of an uncle, the severity of a teacher, the severity of a good neighbor, the severity of greater corporal punishment. If this sort of thing had been done, we wouldn't have been so saddened by these evil occurrences. My dear brothers and sisters, I am afraid of the wrath of God. God isn't afraid of mobs. How readily it's said. What the people has done, it has done. Who is there who can punish the people? Really so? Who is there? Not even God? Was God afraid of the whole world when he brought about the flood? Was he afraid of those cities of Sodom and Gomorrah when he destroyed them with fire from heaven? I don't wish now to speak of contemporary disasters, how many there have been, and where they have occurred, and I don't want to remind you of their consequences, in case I should appear to be gloating. Did God in his wrath distinguish between those who did the bad deeds and those who didn't? What he did, in fact, was to lump together those who did them and those who didn't prevent them. So let us at last wind up this sermon. My brothers and sisters, I urge you, I beseech you by the Lord and his gentleness, be gentle in your lives, be peaceful in your lives, peacefully permit the authorities to do what pertains to them, of which they will have to render an account to God and to their superiors. As often as you have to petition them, make your petitions in an honorable and quiet manner. Don't mix with those who do evil and rampage in a rough and disorderly manner. Don't desire to be present at such goings-on, even as spectators. But as far as you can, let each of you, in his own house and in his own neighborhood, deal with the one with whom you have ties of kinship and charity, by warning, persuading, teaching, correcting, also by restraining him from such seriously evil activities by any kind of threats, so that God may eventually have mercy and put an end to human evils, 
and may not deal with us according to our sins, nor requite us according to our iniquities, but as far as the east is from the west, may cast our sins away from us, and that he may be gracious to our sins, lest the nations perchance should say, Where is their God? Augustine begins to leave the sanctuary. After the sermon, he adds, My brothers and sisters, on account of those who take refuge under the protection of Mother Church, on account of its being the common refuge of all sorts, don't be careless and negligent about frequenting your mother and not departing from the church. She is anxious, you see, in, the case, in case the undisciplined crowd should attempt something. For the rest, as far as those authorities are concerned, there are also laws enacted in the name of God by Christian emperors which sufficiently and abundantly protect the church, and the authorities seem to be the sort of men who wouldn't dream of acting against their mother, for which they would both be blamed by men and be liable to God's judgment. Far be it from them to do such a thing. We neither believe it of them, nor see any evidence of it. But, to ensure that the undisciplined crowd does not attempt anything, you should frequent your mother in considerable numbers, because, as I said, this is the refuge not merely of one or two people, but a general one. Even a person who has no cause to take refuge here may be afraid he does have. I'm telling your graces, even the crooks take refuge in the church from those who live upright lives, and those who live upright lives take refuge from the crooks and sometimes the very crooks take refuge from the crooks. There are three sorts of people who take refuge here. The good don't take refuge from the good, only the just don't flee from the just. But either the unjust flee from the just, or the just flee from the unjust, or the unjust from the unjust. But if we wanted to sort them out, so that evildoers could be removed from the church, there would be nowhere for those who do good to hide themselves. If we wished to allow noxious criminals to be removed from here, there would be nowhere for the innocent to flee to. So it's better that noxious criminals, too, should be protected by the church than that the innocent should be snatched from the church. Bear these things in mind, so that, as I said, it is your presence in strength, not your savagery that may inspire fear. Fratres, propter eos qui confugiunt ad monumentum matris ecclesiae, propter ipsum omnium commune refugium, nolite pigri et segnes esse frequentare matrem vestram et non recedere de ecclesia. Solicita estenim, ne quid indisciplinata multitudo audeat. Cetrum, Quantum attinet ad illas potestates, quoniam et legis sunt in domine Dei a Christianis imperatoribus promulgate, quesatis abundeque muniant ecclesiam, et ipsi tali venentur ut non audiant facere contra matrem suam, unde et apudomines culpentur et apudeum habeant judicium absit foc ab eis, nec credimus deilis, nec sic videmus, Sed nequid indisciplinata audiat multitudo, debetis frequentare matrem vesram, quia sicud dixi non unius aut duorum hominum hoc est, sed commune refugium. Et qui non habet causam, 
timeat ne habeat. Dico caritati vestre ad ecclesiam et iniqui fugiunt a facie iuste vivensium et iuste viventes fugiunt a facie iniquiorum et aliquando ipsi iniqui fugiunt a facie iniquiorum. Tria sunt genera fugensium, boni a bonis non fugiunt, soli iusti iustos non fugiunt, sed aut in iusti fugiunt iustos, aut iusti fugiunt in iustos, aut in iusti in iustos. Sed si volverimus discernere, ut tolerantur de ecclesia qui male faciunt, non erit ubi se abscondant qui bene faciunt, si volverimus permittere, ut hinc tolantur nocentes, non erit quo fugiant innocentes. Melius est ergo, ut et nocentes in ecclesia muniantur, quam not innocentes de ecclesia rapiantur. Tenete ista, ut secut dixi, frequentia mestra, non sedizia. onwards of Sermon 302 by Augustine of Hippo. Um, I sure hope that you heard something of our own circumstances in this. Um, it's amazing, friends, how, you know, what's the, the phrase in French? Plus ça change, plus c'est la même chose, right? The, the more things change, the more they stay the same. People don't change. You know, this is one thing that the libs and the, you know, the the modernists want, want us to think that, that man is evolving, that we've all grown up, that, you know, all this stuff back in various centuries where people, you know, crawled around on their faces in churches, bowing down and kneeling down and all that, as if they were oppressed, terrified children. Well, that's not us anymore. No, we're all very fancy, and we're all grown up and mature now. And so we stand in God's presence and look him in the eye, and we reach our hand out and we say, gimme, when it comes to communion. Now, I'm afraid the, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Human nature has been the same since the, since the fall, and it's going to be the same until the Lord returns. And here we have, after so many, so many centuries, 16 centuries, we hear... Augustine preaching to a flock in a very similar situation. How many of our bishops today are preaching as Augustine did? Even to the top, how many? How many? Ask St. Augustine, in this month in which we will celebrate his feast, to intercede with God to send us pastors after his heart and after the heart of Christ himself. Uh, God bless you. Thank you for, thanks for your patience. This is Father John Zilsdorf. Please say a prayer for me as I will for you. <laughs>